0: Welcome to Someplace for Everybody, where we talk about belonging and being a human in our bodies, in living in and learning to love our bodies. I'm your host, Carly Someplace. This podcast is brought to you by Someplace Images Boudoir for Everybody. You can see the full show notes at someplaceforeverybody.com. Now, let's change some self perspectives. Hi, y'all. Carly someplace, and I'm so excited to reintroduce you to my very dear friend, Miss Tina Rushing. Mrs. Tina Rushing, I guess you are a (laughs) missus. And if you want to hear a lot more about Tina, I highly suggest going back to episode nine of the podcast, where we dove pretty deep into projects that Tina and I are working on. Uh, a little bit about her organization, her nonprofit, Punk Rock Saves Lives, and just about Tina in general. But today we're going to talk about a touchy subject, uh, sort of touchy, but we both don't think it should be touchy, which is mental health. <laughs> <laughs> So, Tina, my dear, just to reintroduce yourself a little bit, um, go ahead and tell everybody about Punk Rock Saves Lives and why the mental health initiative that you have is so important to you, and we can kind of dive into that topic
1: and, and chat about mental health a little bit in therapy. Awesome. Yes, thanks. Um, hi, I'm Tina Rushing. I am a co-founder and director of the nonprofit organization at Punk Rock Saves Lives where we focus on a wellness and equality in our communities. And we were founded in 2019. We've done a lot in the last two years. Yes, you have. Our, <laughs> yeah, like it's a lot. And we even, uh, Rob was on a podcast yesterday and he goes all these things. And remember, we're a two-year-old nonprofit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm astounded when I looked at your like year-end
0: wrap-up stats from 2021. I was like, wow, you did a lot this year. And for it to really only be your second year and for your first year to have been 2020, I was like, and obviously like I watch you, I've been part of a lot of these things and I'm still like,
1: oh my God. (laughs) Yeah, honestly, I feel like I need to do more of those recaps because it really does motivate a person to want to keep doing more. (laughs) Right, 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 but but I know that you're like me too, and you're like, could I do more though? <laughs> right. Well, oh, no, then that's a hundred percent. Like after I made that, and it took me a day because I'm not tech savvy. I will put that out there, not tech savvy. Um, it took me a day to make this video <laughs> and get all the stats together and like add it to a newsletter. So I did like everything in a day. Um, and I was like, so we did that last year, and like half that year was still kind of pretty pandemic. What? Yeah, pretty much. What? Yeah, and it was like, I know we're still in pandemic now, right? That's still a thing. That's still something we think about daily, but we're more open. So, like, last year when I look at it as a nonprofit that follows uh, music festivals and concerts, a lot of those were still cancelled and non-existent in the spring.
0: Right, exactly.
1: It's a, it's a very different
0: landscape in 2021 than it was in 2020. And, and even going into 2022 with a new variant and, you know, different things like that. And again, not... Not the the pandemic is definitely not over. (laughs) However, there are different things that have been happening that have been allowing people to, you know, return to concerts or return to entertainment and the arts and different things like that, which, you know, both you and I work in the arts. So we're very much so for that and being able, able to put all of those precautions in place to keep people safe so that they can still enjoy the arts is huge it is huge
1: I look at the arts as not only a great place for people to go but it's when we're talking about today like mental health my mental health is better when I'm around music or I get to go see a theatrical production like I just saw Lion King live like at our show at our place here at the Denver Performing Arts Center and I cried like a crazy person because I was seeing live theater it's so cool I love it so much (laughs) <laughs> so it's definitely one of those things um, but mental health is a really big uh, proponent of our organization and a lot of that started um, one because of the pandemic obviously people were stuck in their houses and they didn't have an outlet um, you can look at statistics or hear therapists talk about it all day but they have been slammed right? because people realize they have been coping and like you know being around people and when you didn't have that <laughs> Right. Absolutely. I think that it threw, obviously, everybody
0: for a loop in so many different ways. But I think that the the lack of human interaction for a lot of people there, I mean, there were a lot of people, I have a lot of friends who, you know, lived by themselves. So they quite yeah. literally had nobody that was around them. And it was very interesting just to see how they coped with that in so many ways. And a lot of people were like, we're gonna bake ourselves to death. um, yeah. and, and, you know, different things like that. But I think that, discussing mental health and I think that a lot of people at that point really were just sitting with themselves and being like maybe I should go to therapy (laughs) because because it really did it give you a lot of time to reflect on so many different things and like and I know and I say it all the time that I was depressed very depressed in the beginning of the pandemic it was the first time in my life I'd ever had no income because I work for myself Um, and that was terrifying and I, I knew I was We'll say safe because I lived with my parents at that point, but it, it put a really big rift in my relationship with my parents because I lived with them and I was depressed and I didn't get off the couch and I didn't do anything. And it was like, I finally made us just the three of us and our dogs get off the couch every single day or whatever projects we were doing. And we would go for a walk at around sunset around our entire property. And it was just like, just to go outside, to force ourselves to go outside and just, be out there and at that point we didn't even have my parents have two dogs um we didn't even have Jessie yet our puppy oh wow she's our giant puppy but we didn't even have Jessie yet we just had nala and then our our little black cat teeny who thinks she's a dog um and so my parents and nala and teeny and i would like go walk around the property because i just needed to be like let's go outside and if i wasn't the one like enforcing it we would just not leave the house all day yeah Period. And and I mean, we were super we are super blessed. My parents have a large piece of property. So we have acreage. We don't have neighbors. We could be outside. We could do things like that. We weren't stuck in an apartment like a lot of my friends. And but like just the mental toll of like not going anywhere and doing anything when I'm such an incredibly social person. So it absolutely. I mean, the mental health aspect of it completely I don't want to say blossomed, but like I think it was a big Wake up for a lot of people how how important that was and maybe things that they had been shoving down because you could fill it with activities. And that's definitely a coping mechanism. So.
1: It is. And a lot, I don't, I feel most people don't realize it is because you like doing those things. Oh, absolutely. I love going out and being with people. I love it.
0: But like when I'm sad, that's what I want (laughs) to do.
1: Exactly. And that's how I actually learned that really young. I was, um, and we'll talk about that more because it's why I really believe in mental health and like getting help and breaking the stigma that it's a taboo subject because it shouldn't be it should not be a taboo subject in any way shape or form in any way but I was constantly doing something and I can tell because that's still who I am as a person but my grandfather would always ask me do you want to try this add something here and I would be like yes so there was like as a child this is like 10 years old Tina I was taking in a week ballet lessons tap lessons piano art I was taking karate, and then I started being in theater. I, I don't
0: want to say that that doesn't shock me, <laughs> uh, but I also, I, I can see that in a lot of ways, No, knowing you and being your friend, I know that you, you just have such a wide variety of interests and you're, something that I love truly about you is that even if you're not great at something, Tina, you always want to try it. And I think that that is so incredibly important because there's a lot of people, I, I'm, if I think I'm going to be bad at something, I don't want to do it because I have been like raised in the way of like, be perfect or don't do it. And like, it is, it's a really, that's a really hard other mental block to get over of like, oh, it's not perfect. Okay. Then you can't do any of this other stuff. And so I I don't want to say that doesn't surprise me, but I can see you having that busy of a schedule and, and and enjoying it, but also having it be exhausting and also having it be even a coping mechanism.
1: Right. And, at the time, I didn't really think about it that way because I still am that person. I'm interested in so many right. things. I want to be involved in so many different activities, and it was cool to learn stuff. Like I, I kept that schedule for over ten years. <laughs> Again, I, I'm not shocked. <laughs> right, 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 right. And it's exactly. Eventually, things starts like dropping off. I realize I'm not a ballerina so that didn't like that was like it started like ballet and tap I kept piano up until all through high school I'm a black belt in karate now like I have (laughs) (laughs) I didn't I didn't know that you play piano I yeah piano for I played it for 15 years (laughs) (laughs) didn't know it all (laughs) I feel like you probably have like a whole
0: honestly like a whole treasure trove of. Of things that you tried and really liked, and and now you just have these, these skills and talents that you've accumulated, yeah. from just those things. And I I
1: love that about you. It's why like they always say, like when you're on that resume and you're like, I'm a jack of all trades, but really I've done a little bit of pretty much everything. Right. Absolutely. So, like, I have a lot of weird knowledge about a lot of stuff, but it's st- like that's when I started. I started doing that, and then in high school I added clubs, and I was secretary of every single club in school and I'm kidding every single one like I was secretary of the <laughs> hacky sack club I love that I don't even And like my I remember the one year book teacher was like Tina there's no way you're in all these clubs and she's like what do you even do for hacky sack and I'm like I take attendance <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's that's fair I guess <laughs> But I done I've done all these things my whole life and I've always worked multiple jobs and I always want to be super hanging out with everyone. And when I was younger, on top of all the things that I was doing, I was always wanting to be out of the house and with people. Right. I didn't right. want any downtime. That, yeah, that is to me a big thing of I was coping with the fact that I lived with my mom who had OCD. Mm-hmm. Um and this is not like OCD is so vast um, and we're actually in our organization on our mental health group on February 9th, which would have been my mom's birthday. Okay. We are having a speaker from the international OCD foundation. Wow. Talk about OCD. That's really cool. Yes. Cause it's, not what people think. And I actually, I spiraled one day <laughs> because now I can learn. We have so much right. access to knowledge. We ha-
0: we do. We have so much access to knowledge. It's absolutely, I mean, and there's so many platforms in which you can learn. You can, I mean, even I've talked about this before. TikTok is just, right. it will show you similar videos to what you're interested in. And you can just, even, even just to learn by listening to people's experiences is, is huge. And it's, so amazing that we have access to all of this at this point and that's something that generations before us didn't
1: have it all which and that it breaks my heart I think about it um daily I went down a spiral of OCD TikToks yeah and it's because everyone uses OCD as a oh I'm so OCD I have to have my house so clean but like in reality you just like a clean house Right.
0: That's a that's a different thing. And like and that's I mean, I would definitely say so my grandmother, um, my great grandmother actually also had OCD, I, I think, quite very, very different from what. Your mom had, and so you know. But it's when I when I read about it and when I look at it, and the things that she would do very specifically with her hands that she she constantly was scrubbing at them and different things like that, and we're talking all day, every day, and and those those smaller indicators that were, and and this is like I didn't really realize much of this. She was in her nineties when I was in my she was she passed away at 99 uh, almost 99 and um and that was in my late-ish 20s I was 27 so so I didn't I don't want to say I didn't really pay attention to those things but how much do you pay attention to? those things when it's not something you see every day. Um, and then now, as again, I've d- dove into mental health TikTok on a lot of aspects and seeing those similarities in the way that she would do things and and because she lived by herself, uh, she had a caretaker. And, but being able, like just the, the traits that she had, I was like, oh yeah, okay, these are, this is OCD. And I don't think it was quite as severe, but it was definitely definitely OCD
1: yes. and it's crazy
0: and because again like you said it's such it's a broad it's so a broad broad thing
1: yeah there's so many different aspects and I look at it because like I went down the TikTok road I did and I was looking at it for days and it's people who really do think like okay if I don't touch this three times someone I loved is gonna die like right. it's literally in their heads they have like those ticks they have yeah. to do those things or something crazy bad is going to happen yes and they can't stop it because that just think about when you're nervous about something or anxious about something but that's about literally just doing something just tapping something three times right and you are like my best friend's gonna die like I and you can't get that out of your head and just plays over and over and over again um so my mom didn't have ticks, but it was hers was about germs I guess if you can say yeah things being dirty so as a kid, I guess this is the best way because I can't explain what she thought inside. She never talked to me about it. Right. Um. She stopped medication when I, she was pregnant with me because she wasn't allowed to be on medication, and she was diagnosed at ten. Wow. So she actually got a GED. She didn't graduate high school because she couldn't go. Okay. Um, and she went to college for a little while, but then she couldn't. She couldn't continue with that. It was hard. It was difficult. Right. Yeah, and then she got a medication, and she did really well. She married my father, who actually had no idea how bad it was, and no one told him. Got it. Yep. And so when she was pregnant with me, my father had to wash stairs naked. Wow. Slipped and fell, broke his tailbone, and that was his point of nope. I, I, we, I can't continue this. Right. I, and he went to the doctor and asked when she can get back. Like, after, like, after I was born, like, breastfeeding, like, when can she be back to be back to the person she was? Right. And to my mom, that was the biggest betrayal. I
0: can, I can see that. I can see that. I can see that.
1: I can see, I can see both sides of it. Absolutely. There's, like, no way to, you know what I mean? Like, you're in that situation. Who knows what, what you're going to do, right? Um. But that would be my mom's pretty much anthem until she died was that this was her and we had to just accept who she was. Got it. Yeah. And there's a point where yes, but there's also a way to like manage because obviously she wasn't happy. Yeah. And we lived not the best. My poor grandparents um, did everything they could because she would use me as a a tool. I was a pawn. So if something wouldn't happen and they would take a stand, she would say, okay, I'm taking Tina and we're leaving. Right. And obviously that wasn't – I I would not be alive today. <laughs> right. If my grandparents didn't do everything they could to raise me. Yeah. Because my mom, um, she couldn't get out of her own head. So like as a kid, my mom lived in the basement. Okay. I could only talk to her by – opening the basement door, washing my hands, sitting in the hallway, and talking to her that way. For us to eat dinner, we would put her dinner in tinfoil and throw it down to her. Wow. Yeah. And these are all things I don't talk about often because it's, this is why mental health is important. Not everyone's at this extreme, but no one should feel ashamed to get help or to want to work on themselves so this isn't their life.
0: Right. Absolutely. And I think that I think that even just, you know, you talking about these experiences, which isn't, uh, this isn't something that you and I have talked about before. We've touched on it, but we haven't, mm-hmm. I haven't heard these things before. And I think yeah. that that is, um, that's, it's a lot. And I, I I, can see, I can see where your coping mechanism was being out of the house because the house was, it seems very split into your mom's world, and then the world that your grandparents were trying to create for you.
1: Yes. Um, and it was hard to go, I couldn't be one of those kids. Like I, my, my husband is very proud. He's a 51 year old man. And they use that term, a latchkey kid, where you just come right. home yourself, you go out, you play until dark. That wasn't a world I could be in. Right. Because I wasn't, so, like a day at school, I'd get up, you know, my pap would wake me up. He'd make me breakfast. He made me the same lunch until I was legitimately a senior in high school my very last day. <laughs> what did What did your pap make you for lunch? I'm curious. And I would have cucumbers in a bag, <laughs> three peanut butter crackers <laughs> that he made himself, like with rich crackers, peanut butter. He made himself. Oh, yeah. those, are,
0: those are my dad's favorite, hands down. Yeah. Like- <laughs>
1: same. So, I would have that. I would have some kind of great type thing um, Grapes, like a snack pack, and that's what I would have in my lunch every day of my life.
0: <laughs> Consistency.
1: And I always took it. There'd be times like I'd pay for school lunch I'd go out when I was in high school, but I always took the lunch because it made him happy. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is. Um. But I would do that. So I would break school. you breakfast and pack you lunch. Yeah. All of this, and that was it. And he would take me to school. I literally rode the bus in elementary school, but he would drive me to the bus stop. That was a couple, sh- like a sh- like down the street, um, and wait with him because he never wanted me to wait in the cold. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, yeah, he I couldn't. So like he would just wait. We would just wait in the car. We would go there. Um, he'd pick me up at the bus stop because you know I couldn't walk down the street, right. And um, after that, he would just take me to school literally every day. Uh, it's like through high school. But I would do that. I would uh, do everything in school. If I would have any after-school activities, we typically go right after because um, once I got home and I was in glasses at the time, okay. so I would come home into like our laundry room area It's where our back door was and I would have to take off my um, glasses that I, and I'm really, real blind. Like, I was going to put this out there. I can't, see, I couldn't see like an inch in front of my face. Right. <laughs> super, super blind. I'm super blind. <laughs> um, and I would have to take my glasses off, have all my school books out of my bag in the hallway, take my shoes off, not touch a thing, go directly into the bathroom, and I would have to shower. And even though I, like, I believe my mom can hear me now, I never actually showered in this moment. I would just turn water on and kind of wet my hair, change right. clothes. Right, but in her point of view, I had to shower, so I would do that, and then out of the shower, you can't touch the handle. You have to—I had to kick the door up with my foot. I would have to wash my hands in the kitchen, and then I couldn't touch my schoolwork or my bags or my glasses. Okay, because they were germs. They were dirty, right? They were dirty. So then my yaya would have to clean the shower because I was dirty and in there. Right, wash her hands. Then she would have to shower wash her hands then she would clean my books and stuff and in our purposes she literally just got a towel and wiped them down right nothing actually but it's the whole process of it it's the
0: motion it's the motion of it yes
1: yes because my mom wasn't actually able like to see these things but if we didn't do them it literally like she threatened to kill my grandmother once oh my goodness right so she would have to do that take a shower wash your hands, clean the shower, wash your hands, and I could have my glasses and do homework.
0: Yeah, that's very –
1: and that's what was expected of you. That's not even what your mom was doing per se. That was – and that's the thing is OCD can be um, on yourself, but it can also affect the people that are around you. Right, absolutely. And for us, if we didn't do that, she would go on hunger strikes. Okay. She wouldn't eat. The house would be dirty. She wouldn't be able to move stuff. Um, She would bathe and Comet. Oh. I don't remember. Oh. Yeah. It's not, like, we didn't touch often, but my memory of her skin was just like a crocodile. Like, it was just so rough because she bathed in, like, a bleach solution. Oh, my goodness.
0: Oh, my goodness. I can't. <laughs> I have such sensitive skin,
1: and I just like that is. Oof, oof, ugh. Yeah, it's honestly um I think about it all the time and I'm like I just don't know how like her skin didn't fall off. Right. Right. I, I I have zero I have zero idea. But so she never got help her entire life. We at certain points my grandfather would make a stand my yaya never would because that was her daughter and she would do anything for her. Right, absolutely. Um my grandfather more stubborn and angrier as a human. Yes, yes. <laughs> And I feel like it's more of a guy versus woman thing just in general, like how like the a mom is like, yep, you're my, you're my kid. I'm going to do anything for you. And a guy's like, yeah, but I have a limit. <laughs> <laughs> I I could, I could say that, that, yeah, that's pretty, that's, that's a little accurate. <laughs> like, there's no mother instinct there. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. There's no nothing there. Um, so like we took her, um, we would have police called on her a couple of times throughout my life and she was really good at being normal. <laughs> right. So it never stuck. She'd always be back. And then it'd be hell because we did, because that happened. Because you did it. Yes. Yep. Because you took a stand and you, uh,
0: and you wanted things to change and she did not.
1: Right. And I never knew what that meant. So I never knew this wasn't normal. Okay. Right.
0: Because it was your normal. It was very much so your normal. That is. It was my normal.
1: Social media didn't exist. And it's the one thing where I'm like, yay, social media, yay, all this technology. Because I wouldn't have felt so weird. (laughs) Right. <laughs> if I knew, like, I'd watch Growing Pains or all those shows back in the day when we were younger, and I was like, "But that's just a TV make-believe thing." Like, right? Stuff like that isn't real. Yeah. And then I did like my first sleepover when I was like in middle school, and I was like, "Huh? People can act this way?" <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm sure that that was like a very. I can I I can just. Again, knowing you and knowing yeah. how plainly you wear your emotions, <laughs> I, I'm sure i sure I can just imagine middle
1: school Tina being like, wow, okay. What? Wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. Like, this is amazing. And I couldn't say anything. So there's a reason why I am a huge advocate about wearing my emotions, letting people know how I feel, letting people know what we're going through, because I wasn't allowed to as a kid. Right. Absolutely. So we weren't allowed to talk about my mom's. OCD. We weren't allowed to talk about we weren't the perfect happy large family because my pap was big in the community and that was just not something we could do. I remember being 16 years old, my high school boyfriend PJ, we were at a Dairy Queen, okay, with my mom. And we just got done eating and he was like stacking things up to, you know, throw it away like a normal person. Right. Yes. And I had to break down and cry. She walked outside and I was like, if you throw that away in that garbage can, I'll never be allowed to see you again. Wow. Yep. And that was like my and I'm even tearing
0: up now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that that's, that's just so she had she had so much control on on everything that you did and the way that you conducted yourself and and you didn't I don't want to say you didn't really get a childhood because I know that your grandparents obviously They're very fortunate yeah they gave you everything they could <laughs> they did everything they could for you because they wanted you to have as much normalcy as possible but I just that's
1: a lot that's a lot Tina <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And this is what, I mean, I always like mention, I like to, when I'm talking to people normally, I will allude to, well, this was my childhood in like a nice little. (laughs) Right. It wasn't normal because I want people to know that, but I don't ever usually go into this. Like I remember talking to Rob and like really getting into it. And he looked at me and he's like, I'm surprised you are who you are today.
0: (laughs) Oh, I totally agree. I think that you are. I I mean, again, even hearing this, most of this is, is stuff that I'm hearing for the first time. You've mm-hmm. you've definitely you've told me some certain things, but again, this is you're diving deep into it and I'm again very grateful and thankful that you're being extremely vulnerable with us. Oh, I have puppy wines in the background. She feels like, feel like <laughs> my, feel my like... puppy is in the podcast studio with me.
1: <laughs> As most puppies, um, especially during a mental health talk should be.
0: I know, absolutely. Puppies are great for mental health. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, I could not agree more. But yeah, I um, I think it's why it's a lot of what stemmed needing to. And she would ask when I was in college, um, that we could go to like group therapy. But she would never go alone. And for some reason, that was my no. Like I don't want to. I don't think I need to work on myself, which was obviously incorrect. Let's just. That was nineteen-year-old Tina making dumb thoughts. Um. <laughs> well, but I, I think that it's. <sighs>
0: That's so hard because that's her being like, let's change.
1: And you being like, you have a track record of not. Right. And for me, it was just like, admit that there's something like, it's not, our relationship isn't broken because it's just a normal relationship and it's me. It's broken because we've, I've lived in constant weird. (laughs) Yeah. And, and anxiety, I'm
0: sure. Constant anxiety of doing something that she didn't. That, that you weren't doing what she was asking correctly.
1: Right. And, like, it shows today. So, like, I've been to therapy a ton. I'm constantly working on myself, and we'll start going that route. But it will show in the fact that I still don't always remember to wash dishes because I wasn't allowed to touch a sink. Right. I still, the moment I get home, I change my clothes. Yeah. Okay. Yep. To this day. And I can't. For a long time, I was telling myself it's because I have dogs. Like that makes sense. It's because I have dogs. But no, it's definitely just ingrained in my in my head. I come home, I put sweatpants on. Right.
0: And it's I I don't feel like that's a terrible thing to do. Come home and get comfortable. But at the same time, I can see where it's it's something that you it's not like you do it occasionally because you want to be comfy. You do it every single day because it was that is what you were
1: taught you had to do in order for your mom to be. Right. So I do that every day. And the only time that I'm like, oh, man, like I, it, I'm i comfortable. I'm not mad about it. But there are times where I'm like, I change. And then an hour I change just to leave the house again. And I'm like, I could just be in jeans. <laughs> <laughs> I could, right. We could just wear the same thing. But no, 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 my brain won't let me. Which is I it,
0: that. And that is such an interesting. That's such an interesting thing, because then that that has become habit. Mm hmm because because it's habit and and you don't have that OCD but her OCD has essentially given you that specific habit
1: yeah I mean I lived in that house for 18 years right 18 years of having to do the same thing every single day and you know I I never really noticed it before and then I was talking um to one of my first therapists and I was like mentioning, she goes, well, what do you do when you get home? Cause she, I guess she was figuring out that there was things that would always affect you. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Um, and I would say then she goes, does that sound familiar of what you did when you were a kid? And I was like, huh, you don't say. <laughs> <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> oh, <Tina. laughs>
0: which, which I, I, again, I'm so thankful you're so vulnerable and sharing this, you know very publicly because that is it really is i think that a lot of those realizations in therapy that that give us depth the the real depth of of the root of things and i think that that is and i don't think i, I don't think that without therapy you would be able to talk about any of this Yeah. most specifically in a in a public setting and and things like that so it's 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 huge because your mother, in the same sense, has also given you the tools that you need to help others. By, yeah, it's it's a weird um weird life. <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's a weird line. It's a it's a very weird line, and I think recognizing that it's weird is perfectly valid as well. It's not like oh, it is. It, I'm I've learned and I've grown so much
1: stronger. It's mm-hmm. weird. That's that's it's weird. You have grown so much stronger, but it's also freaking weird. <laughs> Right, and that's I. I remember I have a lot of people, especially because um, my 2020 was not great by any vast of imagination. Even if it, like 2020, let's say, it was 10 years ago, and all the things that just happened in my life happened at that moment, right. it still would have been the worst year of my life, regardless Absolutely. of the pandemic. And I look at that, and so many people were like, "Ah, oh, but you're one of the strongest people I know. You're one of these things." And I was like, "Yeah, I don't know if that's what if that's good." <laughs> right, exactly. And I think about that often because that's what we do. We try to like lift each other up when we're having bad moments. And we're like, you're so strong. You got this. But I'm like, I don't want to be. I don't want to have these experiences that I'm strong from that I've always like came out of. Like I, I get you're trying to make me feel better, but eh.
0: Yeah. And I I think that I do think that those words are absolutely used as like it's toxic positivity, honestly. And there's so obviously Hannah and I have our journal coming out and we actually have an entire wow. chapter that touches on toxic positivity because you know or telling people, well you know you're always so strong or you've got this, you always do things like this. It's so much better to be like this is really hard. Right. You've done hard things but this is still really hard, like recognizing and not saying you have to be, you have to push through this because you've done it before. But like, this is really hard. You've also done hard things prior to this, but this is really hard. Recognize the fact that it's not easy and recognize, you know, have recognition, not just positivity and throw positivity at people. And it's like, it's, it's such a, I think, and one of the toxic positivity, like statements that gets me every time is like good vibes only. And like, yes, I absolutely want to have good vibes and put good things out into the universe and do all of this other stuff. But at the same time, like that's not realistic (laughs) in any way to, to only think good thoughts and only do things like this. It's, To think overarching bigger good thoughts, yes, but to have, to put that pressure on yourself to only be positive, to only think good things is, is really unrealistic and really unhealthy.
1: It's not real, right? It's not real, exactly. It's and then just like as simple as that, I am, and I'm told often, and I highly agree with it, I am a very optimistic, positive person. Yes, you are in every single way, shape, or form, I am. I can say that with, like, full, that's reality of me. I really am. But there's also all of this in me, right? Like, this yeah. is an everyday. Um, and that's actually why I started, after going to therapy and after going through everything that I did, I start posting when I'm having my real struggle moments. Right. Because I feel that's the one downside of um, Facebook is people are like, this is the best day. This is great. Look right. at my food, and,
0: and every time they post,
1: it's the best day. Right, and that's not real. I have a pretty great life. I am pretty lucky. I get to do a lot of cool things, but that doesn't mean I don't cry almost every day, or right. I don't have. I have high anxiety from my life. Let's be real. I get super anxious. Um, yep. Timelines, timeliness for me is like a weird <laughs> panic moment. <laughs> <laughs> I can, I can understand that. Yeah because i had like for pap that was his that was pap my grandfather's trigger um if we weren't 30 minutes early we were late and you could tell he would panic right um so i do that if we and that could be like we just say oh my friend um i'm going to go hang out with my friends and we just pick like this time if i'm not there right before that time i feel like i made a mistake even though it's like fluid <laughs> right right
0: i i and i think that it's i think that The uh, uh, because I also have anxiety (laughs) and I also see myself with things like that but I also and time passes really weird for me and sometimes I'm just really bad at time and that's it's unless I set like a timer for myself to be like you have this much time to do these things I can't I just don't recognize that it's passing and I'll look up and I'm like oh it's been four hours what happened? (laughs) and and I Which makes me very bad at staying on time for things. And I try so hard, and then I'm just disappointed in myself when I'm not on time, when I'm late, when I like, unless and literally, unless I set alarm clocks and timers, it is extremely hard for me to keep myself on a time frame. And that is just because that's my brain just doesn't recognize that time is passing. Right. And and it's so very different. And even like so, for example, when I'm shooting a boudoir session, I have I know exactly how much time everything takes me because I've done it so many times and I've essentially just built a schedule for myself. And I know the only variable is obviously my client and conversation. So a, depending on those two things, a session can take an hour longer, you know, different things like that. But I literally the other day I finished a session and I looked at my mom and I said five hours and one minute. Yeah. And she was like, wow. I was like, I know. I was like, I can do, I literally from start to finish, I can do this in five hours. And that is my general time frame. And And because I've trained my brain to be like, this should take this long. This should take this long. This should take this long. And I've done it so many times that now I don't have to think about it. So I'm not setting timers when I'm with my clients. But if I'm at home and I have to answer emails, I will set a 30-minute timer and be like, you have to answer all of these emails in the next 30 minutes. Brilliant. Because I have to keep my brain on track or it will just wander and, and go from there. And then, and then that makes me the friend who is late. And I hate that. I hate that so much because my dad is, if you're not 30 minutes early, you're late. And so then I'm, I'm on time. Generally, <laughs> or I try to be or I'll be like three minutes late and I'm like, oh, God, I'm an I'm an hour and a half late because like I'm three
1: minutes late. Like it right. is... how I, it's funny how that's where our brains go, because it does. Right.
0: Do. And the amount of time that I spend profusely apologizing for being
1: late when it's literally like two to three minutes is a lot that actually goes to another. So I've seen a bunch of different therapists, right? And one right. of them made a point cuz I kept going but I should be there early and she goes, you need to stop saying should. Right. Should is not a word. You sh- you're fine. <laughs> yes. And that actually helped me a lot for my apologies.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I think that apologizing is a very it's a very interesting trait and a lot of it comes a lot of it comes from anxiety, truly. Yeah. I think that anxiety and then a lot of truly how people are raised. Um, I've found, like, even with apologizing, I've started saying thank you instead of I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And that's been a huge change in my mentality around it like if i tell somebody i'm going to send them an email and then i don't i will start my my next email to them when i am actually following up not with i'm so sorry this took me so long i will say thank you so much for your patience with me better yeah and it's 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 a it's a big shift and i i didn't really think it was going to be and i still find myself typing i'm sorry but i delete it and go back and say thank you and it's as i've grown into doing that it's helped a lot and people are like oh it's no problem and i'm like okay they're not mad at me because that's what i think is that everybody's going to be mad at me
1: all same. the time yep same same
0: and that's never the case <laughs> it's never the case i i very rarely have had somebody be like you're a terrible human because you took a whole other day to respond to my email
1: <laughs> no and i think there's more um there's so more. I love the thank you. I'm going to try to say that because I apologize out the wazoo still. It's, it's a very hard habit to break. And
0: I think even if you just try it in your emails, start with it in your emails or in your like text correspondence versus right. it like actually coming out of your mouth. And then as you essentially slowly retrain your brain to type it, then you start to think it. And I think that that's been the biggest factor for me is that I've, I've now typed it so many times that my brain is like, oh, this is what we say, because that's what we type. Um, because I can type, I'm sorry. And then I can delete it and then say, thank you.
1: That's exactly what I was going to say. You can stop yourself.
0: (laughs) You can stop yourself. Whereas when you're just blurting it out, it's, it's harder to, to stop, especially because usually it's the first thing that we want to say because we want people to know that we're sorry.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I, I think that's a brilliant way to do it. And a lot of it is training our brains. It, it truly,
0: truly is. Training our brains is so important and and hard. It's
1: really hard. And, and that's what therapy helps with. (laughs) Right. And that's the whole point of it's hard and having someone who is a professional and I have to say, like we do a lot of peer support groups and I believe in talking because the more you, we can talk about it, the easier it is. Absolutely.
0: And, um, and peer, su- peer support is
1: amazing. It's very different from professional. But, exactly. And that's the thing is I think we need a good combo of the, of both because the professional, they care about you um, just because that's, you know, human nature is to care yeah, about absolutely. that you have, but they're not invested in your life. Like a friend is yes. Or, like a family member is, they're here to like actually help you professionally in a clinical way. Exactly. And give you
0: researched advice, I guess is the the best way to like, or like they're going to ask questions that your friends would not know to ask to have you see other things. I think one of the best like memes that I've seen regarding therapy is that, a therapist is the person who helps you unwind the tangled ball of yarn that is your brain. And and they're just helping you. They're helping you. They're not doing it for you. They are helping you find Mm -hmm. a way to unknot all of those things and make it make sense and make it do all of that. And friends can be there, but they don't have necessarily the tools to undo those
1: knots. Right. And that's the big thing is in therapy, you can get tools exactly, um, and you can get things that I now use on a regular basis. I went into, um, I took a break from there. I think there's always a point where like in certain moments you don't have to keep going. Like, I don't feel like I have to continuously go to a therapist about my childhood anymore. Right. Right. Because finally work
0: that through, right? Right. And and you can have, again, open conversation about it and you've can you you've found there's no shame in it. You, you've moved forward because you had the tools that were given to you to be able to go from there.
1: Right. Which is great because I never thought I would. I thought that was always going to be a big cloud over my head. And it's not anymore. And I can talk about it. I can be open and I can share with others in hopes to make people feel like they're not alone. Uh, but I did go to therapy. Um, I lost my grandfather um, in yeah. 2020. One of the big reasons why it was the worst um, here. He was my father figure. He did obviously everything for me as we yes. went through. And I already lost my grandmother. I lost my mom. Yeah. And I never dealt with any of those. <laughs> right. I... Never dealt with death. I just would run away. Someone died. I literally moved and changed my entire life. Not i even kidding. That's what I did. I yeah. Someone died. I moved to California. I did something totally different. I had new friends, a new life. <laughs> yeah. Escapism. Someone else died. I did the same thing. New friends, new life. And then my pap died, and now I'm married, and I run an organization. And having new friends, new life, new, everything was not a coping mechanism I could do anymore. Right. So I started therapy, and that was, she kept, she gave me a lot of tools because I'm in my grief, which I never even thought. I get panic attacks now. Yep. Fun. I see an older person that reminds me of my grandfather, and I literally, I panic. (laughs) Yeah. I remember the first time it happened. It was this nice little old man at the blood bank. He had a an like, alarm that pushed buttons on his neck in case he fell. Yep. And my grandfather had one. He loved his. He used it way too much. I feel really bad for my uncle. I'm like, <laughs> he used it every other day. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> and it wasn't even like he fell that much. He just, just used it. He just used it. He just needed, he just needed to know. He just, he, he used, that's it. He just, it was there. He used it. I... I find it hilarious. My uncle was obviously just tired.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: But I saw this man and it was um like six months after my pap died. And I saw this man and I literally started to panic, started to cry, I threw up. <laughs> oh goodness. And I was like, oh. And that was my moment where I'm like, I feel like I need to talk to someone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, your body literally gave you a reaction. Yeah. Yeah, and that's all, like, your body does react to your mental health. Like, you can be a, like, I feel we should talk about it more for the fact that we go to doctors. Not everyone goes to doctors, so I can't say that. I'm terrible at getting checkups. But if you, you know, were missing, you cut off your finger or something dramatic happened, you would go to a doctor. (laughs) Yes, one would hope that you would go to the doctor for those things. That's what I'm saying. I used to always say, like, you want to treat it like you treat your, like, physical health, but I know a lot of people who don't treat their physical health, so, like, I have to go to the extreme.
0: Well, and I I agree with that. My last podcast episode, um, one of my last podcast episodes was talking about how I dread going to the doctor's office, and Mm -hmm. I dread it because of the just like stigma around weight and health and mm-hmm. i pretty much will walk into a doctor's office and they're going to be like great you need to lose weight before we'll do anything for you and so regard so you know i could walk into the doctor's office with my finger chopped off and they'll be like but have you considered how much you weigh and that is the most frustrating thing on the face of the planet for me and so therefore I just avoid going Right. um and <laughs> sorry mom because I'm gonna throw you under the bus with this and I know you're gonna listen to it um the rule in our house was are you bleeding no then you're fine like that is literally like that is how we were raised As if you're not bleeding you're okay but that's how a lot of people were raised Rob was raised with the phrase just rub dirt in it Right. And so that is, and and I totally understand where my mom came from of like telling us like, I don't want to say toughen up. I'm We grew up in the mountains. We're mountain kids, but it's literally <laughs> eat it on our bike, eat it off the rope swing, whatever. My mom's like, you're not bleeding. You're good. You're fine. You might have a bruise. You'll be okay. So like for kids, yes, absolutely. But then even going into adulthood and when I was extremely sick in the beginning of college and in the process it took five years for me to get diagnosed with my ulcerative colitis but like I was legitimately like couldn't keep food down I lost over 30 pounds in a month I like was having extremely like bloody bowel movements if that's TMI for anybody sorry but like all of this other stuff because it's ulcerative colitis and so I was essentially having my first flare up and I was like my brain was like are you bleeding and the answer was like yes but also no because nobody else could see it and I was like no it's fine (laughs) like it took me I had I had to be submitted to the hospital before I would be like okay there's something actually wrong with me because I was so based on like oh you're not bleeding you're fine and and I know that my mother, because I angrily threw that in her face at some point, feels a lot of guilt over that. So I'm going to say, Mom, please don't feel any more guilt over it. I recognize that you were being a a, a tough mom, not a, like, please right. kill yourself because you don't want to go to the hospital. Mom.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, no, no, no. That was just most of it. Because let's be honest. Kids. You have those kids who the moment they trip, it's the end of the world. <laughs> oh,
0: absolutely. And you, I see it with, with toddlers a lot. Um, My friends with toddlers and they'll, you know, fall. And if you, I don't want to say if you don't recognize it, unless they've actually, you know, bumped their head or, or done something like that. If they're just, you know, learning to walk and they fall, if you don't be like, Oh my God, are you okay? They're going to be like, Oh, okay. Like oh, no. it, it, they're just going to essentially walk it off. And And that's obviously a very useful learning tool that you can't cry over everything as a child. But at the same time, it then sometimes gets stuck in our heads that it is, that's the only way. And that's not true.
1: Right. And it's a big part of, I think, growing. I also look at it, though, as we don't get help for mental health regularly So, like, I like to make it as an example of, let's say you are a 35-year-old person and you've never gone to a doctor once. Right. So, like, who knows what your health looks like? Absolutely. (laughs) At that point. Even the worst of the worst people who don't like to go to doctors, they've at least gone sometime in that time frame.
0: Oh, absolutely. But you're (laughs) correct that for our mental health, we don't – it's not there's there's such a stigma around it and it's it's so incredibly frustrating to have that stigma because it should be as talked about and it should be and it's starting to be it is starting to be. We are we are at the the starting point which is why it's important that we're having these conversations that we're having these conversations out loud and publicly because we're at the starting point that People are talking about it and talking about their experiences and saying there is no shame in going to therapy and there is no shame in doing these things because it was so stigmatized specifically through, I mean, up until now, literally up until now. I was going to say starting in and that's the end. The, no, it's period. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, there's been conversations, but I, I also look at it. So, like, we've been trying to break the stigma against suicide for a, a longer time. But right. then why do we wait to that point in our lives right i i feel strongly obviously we need to keep talking about it we need to prevent people um it's a honestly the biggest reason why people die yeah and that's terrifying absolutely um, but we could we could work on it before we get to that point absolutely especially especially
0: if mental health is more accessible and i think and and more and again, yeah, breaking the stigma around it that, you know, if you're going to have a therapy appointment, it should be considered part of your paid time paid leave time for a doctor's appointment just as it would be if you have a stomach flu. If you're going through a bout of depression, you should be able to take off from work and have mental health days just like you have sick days. Like they they are not the same thing, but they mm-hmm. are the same thing at the same time. They don't right. need to be it doesn't need to be stigmatized that like, oh, are you having mental health day or do you just want to break? It doesn't fucking matter.
1: The both yes, I need the day. Right. And I that's need the day to I- have the break I- to yes. feel better. I think about that all the time on, like, excuses we have, and not only for, like, work purposes, but, like, for friends. And throughout the years, I'd be like, oh, sorry, something came up, or, oh, I, like, my tire burst, and in reality, I just didn't get up from bed. Right.
0: And and it's true, and it's just, I mean, even honestly, like, so a couple days ago, Peyton and I were both off work, And we did, we've done so many house projects, obviously, moving into a new home, building furniture, as I'm literally like, I know that my, my garage shelving is getting delivered today and things like that, like super exciting things. But like, there is so much that we've been doing constantly. And so on our last day off together, we laid on the couch all day, we I was like, if we get three projects done I want them to be this and it was like we got new surge protectors for next to our bedside tables because they sit flat against the wall and our bedside tables were sitting like six inches off the wall and it was driving me nuts so I was like okay we can change out our surge protectors and we can we got <laughs> we got rubber ducky um like tread things for the bottom of our showers so that we don't slip because I gave paint all of the options and he chose rubber duckies so so our you know bathtub in our (laughs) very sophisticated bedroom bathroom ensuite our bathtub is now covered in rubber duckies um and I'm here for it and I love it but I was like if we get these two projects done I will feel content for the day. And they're very simple. And he was like, okay. So we stopped. We took 20 minutes and did that. And then we went back to laying on the couch. And it was, I needed it so bad to just do pretty much nothing, to not feel like I was feeling guilty over not sending emails or being active in my business or being active with friends or being doing anything, to lay on the couch and to veg out and watch TV and take a, a, break day, just a break from everything else. It was so incredibly needed. And then I woke up the next morning and I was like, gosh, I feel so energized to do all of these other things. And it was, it's because I took a break, an actual break. And that is so hard sometimes to recognize. And and I think that something that I struggle with specifically, and I think that you probably would relate to this as well, is that you and I don't work Monday through Friday, nine to five. And therefore we don't get, oh, here's the weekend. And that's when you get a break. And so it's very hard to give my body a schedule like that, give my brain a schedule like that. And it's, it's just such a like go thing. That structured work week is, not healthy in so many ways but can, can be
1: can it. be healthy
0: that everybody gets a break at the end of the
1: week so that everyone can have a break together or that you have a routine because I was actually thinking that the other day I was stressing out and I've been trying to curb it um I was panicking because I w- didn't start work at like 8 a.m right and that's like starting work on in my house right like on a computer and then I was like but I will go longer than that time frame Yes, exactly. So I don't know why I think I have to have these moments. So I've been trying to be like, okay, I'll just look at my time as a what I've done today, what I've accomplished. Right.
0: And I think it's important to be like, these are the things I accomplished today. It's extremely important because it, it gives you a sense of... I mean, accomplishment for lack of a better word, but it gives you a sense of accomplishment of like, this is what I've accomplished today, regardless of if I took time off or did anything else. And like, like I so much right now, like I'm in the middle of a book series and it's really good and I love it. And reading is, is my escape from everything. And I enjoy it. Like, I don't mind watching movies and TV, but I would rather read. And just to like sit down and read, like I'm trying to sit down and read and not feel overwhelming guilt that I'm not getting other things done. And I think so much of this has been put on us with society being like, do more, do more, do more, do more, be more. And then on top of that, being a community leader, running so many different things, um, being in a public spotlight all the time, all of this other stuff. And when I'm reading that is something for myself. And I feel like I'm taking too much time for myself by doing it. And that's not the case.
1: Right, and that's and I have like I say all the time, and I think we all need to say it more. We can't do more if our cup is empty.
0: Right, exactly. I was gonna say the the phrase that's really like put it in the most perspective for me is like you cannot pour from an empty cup, and it's it's true, and that I need to have my cup be full or at least. Recharge. There's something in there. <laughs> there has to be something in there in order for me to give to anybody else because you can't drain yourself for others constantly. And I mean, a big discussion on this is obviously then taking care of yourself both mentally and physically, and boundaries, and and so many things, so many things that are a proponent, and what you learn in therapy.
1: <laughs> okay. And that's exactly, I think, the point is like as we're talking and we're talking about like daily life things or like life experiences. Sometimes we don't because all we see is the stuff in the media or all we see are you have to do this and we have to be that. And the American dream, which is the dumbest thing that we've ever decided that ever, yes. is so big in our lives that it helps to have someone help you kind of like deprogram you a little. Yeah. In a way of it doesn't matter what your friend that you grew up with um, that lived across the street is doing on Facebook compared yeah. to what you're doing. <laughs>
0: Right. Or even even now with with neighbors and like and it's so it's so interesting because like, okay, so let's discuss the the phrase keeping up with the Joneses, which I actually and you'll enjoy this fact. uh, It came from Savannah. That phrase did. You, I'm sure, have been on Jones Street in Savannah, which is this beautiful, beautiful, gorgeous full live oak lined tree and these amazing I wouldn't even call them like mansions but kind of like beautiful homes um and that phrase came up came from savannah of keeping up with the joneses as keeping up with jones street which i always found interesting and every time i would walk down jones street in savannah when i was in college i was like oh yeah okay i can see it i could see why people want to keep up with this but it's it's so interesting so like our our neighbors came over and introduced themselves and they're super sweet and we've had them over for like charcuterie and drinks with their um young son he's under a year he's super cute and all this other stuff and so yesterday i saw our neighbor she was out walking the dog and taking the baby out um, because it was gorgeous weather and we were just like essentially like talking over our fence and she was like how are you and all this other stuff and I was like oh god she's so put together and I'm just out here in my sweatpants yelling at the puppy because she won't stop trying to chew hairballs and I'm like, I'm like what must she think of me and then I was like it doesn't matter Carly like it does not matter what your neighbor thinks of you she has her own life and she's doing her own things and this walk that she just took her dog and her son on is probably her own way of decompressing and getting out of the house yours is going to stand in the backyard in the sunshine with your cat like it's it's very they don't have to be the same activity to be the same break and and it i i just saw that and i was like ah she's so put together in life and i i'm like barely out of my fuzzy pink bathrobe today (laughs) But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what other people are doing, because if you're doing things for yourself and you are giving yourself that space to breathe and grow and learn and and have have conversation very specifically within therapy or, or even like you said, group therapy or group sessions or, or group support, all of those are components. They all need to kind of meld in with one another, but those are all components of like other people telling you it's okay to take a break. And I think that that's again, a very big benefit of social media is that we have access to those things, but there's so much drawback that comes with social media and the toxic positivity. And it's, it's a really hard balance sometimes.
1: It is. And I I think it's all how we learn the different tools to like balance it out and like do it. I know a lot of times, whenever I'm having one of those thoughts or like, I'm like, oh, man, I wish I could be that person. Or I wish uh, my life looked like this. I kind of just start grounding myself in my own life. And I'm trying to be more present. And that was something I learned in my one I was when i was spiraling and panicking and still very much in my grief which i'm still grieving um to this day which is absolutely terrible by the way i never had the, i never experienced real grief until recently and i never really understood anyone grieving and i'm sorry to everyone who does
0: right absolutely and i think that i mean grieving everybody will experience yes grieving at some point in their lives and i think that Until you do, there are so many stages and so many steps of grief, but until you do, it is, it's hard to, it's hard, it's not, because it's such a feeling and it's so Mm -hmm. different for everybody. It is something that is not easy to empathize with. You can only sympathize unless you've truly been through it. And even then your experience is still going to be different. And
1: different. And that's like our mental health in general is we're all different. Absolutely. Um, And that's why it's nice to have someone who you can talk to and like who can work you and make a plan for you specifically as a person. Yes. Um, And I think it's really important. And on top of that note, it's okay if you go to a therapist and the first time you talk, you don't feel it. Yeah. And it's okay if you go to a therapist and the second time you talk to someone different, it's you don't click. I have talked to over 10 therapists in my life and a lot of them we only had a couple sessions because I just know they weren't the one for me.
0: Right. And I think it's very important to find a right therapist. And that's something, so that's something that I'm actively searching for is trying to find the right therapist for myself um, because I... I mean I've had this discussion with my boyfriend that I he's like you had you know a, a pretty dang perfect childhood and I was like yes I will I mean it's not gonna be perfect by any means however like I have two loving parents who are over the top in love with each other um and you know great siblings and all of this other stuff and we grew up in a, a beautiful place and you know had an a, a pretty functionably normal home etc but that is that's because my parents worked so hard at that and so because they grew up in different ways and and so I absolutely reap the benefits from that I'm not going to say that I don't but at the same so like while my childhood was very different from yours and I don't necessarily have I don't want to say like childhood trauma I do have a lot of things that are very specific to me and very different. And every therapist is going to be different and be able to deal with things differently and based on their own experiences. And it's so important to find the one that like clicks with you and you actually feel like you're, I don't want to say getting something from, but that's really the best way to phrase it is that like that therapist is there to help you and not just be like, great, take medicine or do whatever. They they really need to be somebody who you trust and who you listen to and who can listen to you. And that's so important. And it's important to find the right one.
1: Yes, I, I agree completely. And it's important and helpful to have someone who's there to advocate for you and is meant to be there for you. Exactly. And it's the it's the advocating for you and
0: being there for you. And that's so... And you specifically, not just you because you exist as a human, but you specifically. And I think like
1: listening to your background. So like you and I would go to, uh, we could go to the same therapist and we would have a different experience because we have a different background behind it. Absolutely.
0: And everybody does. That's the thing is that everybody has their own unique path and they process things uniquely. Yet at the same time, we all have struggles with our mental health. We all have struggles with just things or things that have traumatized us in some way, shape, or form. And, and trauma doesn't have to be a gigantic point. It doesn't have to be something explosive. It could be something small that was in your life something that just completely stuck with you and you've then built so much around it or built walls around it and it doesn't you know those are the things that shape you and that's where having a therapist who helps you unbuild those walls um and and take it down or reconstruct things in a different way those are amazing tools and it's going to be different for everybody but in the same sense you're not alone because everybody has
1: these things Right, right. And that's exactly, I feel like you made the great, it could be something so little that we have no idea about. I once, I'm kidding, I was like 13 years old. I was at the mall with my grandfather. And I went into a Claire's while he was sitting in the middle. And they treated me like a criminal. Um, for being a kid by myself, like expecting me to like steal, expecting me to do something bad, and that right. stuck. That sticks with me to this day. Like, I don't like when right. people look at me in a store because I think they're automatically assuming I'm terrible. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, and but it is. It's, a it's little it's, things. <laughs> little things. It's very little things. It's- that was a four minute mm-hmm. moment of my life that has stuck with me. And it's funny. It's it's a weird concept, but it's why we work through things because you don't know why that exists and if you work through it, it might not affect you anymore. Right. And the, and and there's so many a lot
0: of I would say that my like smaller traumas like that really revolve around my body more than anything. And that has been like the one, the one that sticks out to me is my aunt is very when I was younger, uh, my aunt is, was she's tall she's blonde she's skinny um (laughs) it's it's you know and she has her own issues I won't say that she doesn't because as I've discussed my grandmother on this podcast my grandmother has pushed my aunt in so many different ways but I remember being like 12 or 13 and my aunt was like you need to wear thong underwear because your butt is too big and I can see all of the lines Of you wearing, I had to have been like 11 or 12, honestly, probably 12. So a 12-year-old that you're telling needs to wear thongs and or G-strings because you don't want to see the lines in my jeans. And I, like, I look back at that now and I deconstruct it and I'm like, what? I was a kid. Who cares?
1: Right. That doesn't, but that's, those are all things we everyone has throughout their lives. So who knows what she was told when she was younger, right? Exactly. That stuck with her that whole time.
0: Exactly. And and it's stuck with me and it's, it's changed. I mean, it changed the underwear style that I wore. It cha- <laughs> And that's, uh, that's true to this day. Like I, I don't wear pretty much anything except for thongs and G-strings because I, anytime that I see like an underwear line in anything, I'm like, oh God. And it doesn't even like, and it's just on myself. It doesn't matter if other people do it, but it's on me. Like, if I see it on myself, I'm like, yep, nope, my butt is way too big for this. Like, that is, that's the thinking. And then that has me thinking negatively about my body or that something's too big just because of something. Like, that's not, it's one one sentence that I have dwelled on for 20 years.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's funny how we don't think about it, but those things stick with us for life. Absolutely. Um, Especially when we don't work it out or, like, understand why.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So, usually I do my my three questions um, that I have for, but I've already asked you those questions. So, let's do three slightly different questions. So, let's talk about, this would be my question. So, usually I ask people, like, what is, you know, something that like where you started gaining confidence so let's talk about gaining confidence in therapy um and let's talk about punk rock saves lives your mental health initiatives that you have and um let's talk about better help who i know that has paired with punk rock saves lives
1: yes um i'm I'm excited about it so on top of like what i've talked about before we have peer support groups that talk on a constant basis we have um a person on every monday who does a grief Therapy, but it's music therapy. So grief music therapy virtually. That's amazing. Yeah. And it's awesome and wonderful. Um, and then we have partnered with BetterHelp. That, if honestly, anyone who wants to send me their email over to Yay. Tina at Punk Rock Saves Lives or info at Punk Rock Saves Lives, um, I'm able to get them on a list where BetterHelp will send them um, four free therapy sessions. That's a month worth of therapy. Yeah. And it's great, especially for if, if it's a new thing for you. Um, you can, like, learn if you, like, like a therapist or how it works, like, to get you started. You can stick with it. Um, it's just uh, they do a monthly fee after that. And if there's something where that monthly fee is too much, it's still a lot less than therapy in general. Yes. Um, but they do work with um, insurances. And if not, Punk Rock Saves Lives is here to help kind of make it easier for you to make those payments.
0: Right. Which is amazing, amazing.
1: It, it's great and helpful. And so far, the people that have started have really clicked with their therapists, and we've had nothing but positive, like, remarks to, to, at this point. So that's which,
0: great. which makes me so happy. So then, my second question so, Will is usually, you know, what books and resources and different things like this. Do you have any books? Um, Or podcasts or audiobooks or anything that you've listened to specifically that helped kind of unravel therapy or your brain or anything like that of like anything or or is it just has it just been therapy itself?
1: Um, so a lot of it has just been a therapy itself. And then what I like about the therapists that I've gone to is they've suggested books. So like um, my, the last therapist I had about grief because there was a passage. Um, I'm a huge Glennon Doyle fan.
0: I love Glennon Doyle. Yes. Um,
1: and untamed actually talks a lot. There was a whole passage about how grief changes you and that's yes. okay. Um, yes. And that clicked to me the most. Cause it talked about like, you're pretty much shattered and you're putting back those pieces and you're not going to be the same person you were before? Right. Um and that's an okay thing cuz you think of like like I said everyone grieves you're like oh you grieve and you're back to normal that's not necessarily true. No. You're different. You're different. And her book Untamed actually really made me get that.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um and then The last question, which I still think is very pertinent in this, is being what advice would you give your younger self? So specifically from like a therapy standpoint and things like that, all of us having learned a lot about younger Tina, um, (laughs) what is what is advice that you would give younger Tina more regarding mental health than anything?
1: Um, Was to start talking more. Um, I kept it inside so long because I had to. I wonder if, granted, we didn't, we didn't have technology. So there's like still that whole thing of like, if you had the internet, you could look it up. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, so Younger exactly. people now use the internet.
0: <laughs> right. Everybody now uses the internet, which right. is, I think a, a fantastic
1: thing. <laughs> and like When you hear someone say they have this, look it up and see what that means. <laughs> right. Um. But for me, it would be trying to talk more. I think, I wish I could go back and have talks with my mom about how it feels for her. Like I wish, because for me, I always looked at how it affected my grandmother who really got the brunt of her anger and everything or how it affected me as a person or like our family in general. But I never, I don't know how she felt.
0: Right. Right. And that's incredibly hard because that's not a question you can ask
1: anymore. No, it's not. Um, And that's, that's definitely the thing. The last conversation my mom and I had, she asked me to forgive her. Um, yeah. And she asked me to like to start over and to forgive her and to have a relationship with me. And I was like, we could hang out for a day while I'm home, but I'm going to need more time. And she goes, you don't know how much time we have. And I was like, we have time. You're young. I'm young. We have time. I right. was wrong. She died the next day. Yeah. And that's like those moments, right? I look at and I'm like... You don't have time. And I think that's a big one, right? To your younger self. You don't know what, ha- what time you have. So, the questions you have for someone of why they do that, or you, you want to talk something out, don't hold a grudge, don't be angry and not say anything. Ask
0: because you right. might
1: never get those answers.
0: Yeah, which is incredibly important. It's hard, but it's incredibly important.
1: It- it's hard. And there's still moments where I get mad and I'm done and I stop saying something. But then I look back and I, I have that experience that yeah. I did. I was mad. I hung up on her. <laughs> yeah. I hung up on her. I didn't want to have that conversation. I was tired of her wanting forgiveness but not wanting to do the work to get like to have it. Yeah. And I was just no and trying to stay on my ground, which I believe in. I believe in all the people who you, you want to like create your boundaries, take those moments. Yes. But also remember if you ever want to have a relationship with someone, you have to have some kind of flexibility boundaries should exist but boundaries should be, exist they should not be so hard that you can't see over your own feelings either
0: i totally agree tina thank you <laughs> <laughs> thank you for having me again this was hard but good i think i and i'm i have said it multiple times thank you for being vulnerable and thank you for sharing on you know a large platform to let let people listen to this and i i know that It's going to resonate with somebody, if not many somebodies, and it's going to it's gonna change things for them. And that is super important because we both of you and I are so dedicated to breaking stigmas around so many different things. And this is such an incredibly important conversation. And I'm so grateful for you. I'm so grateful for Punk Rock Saves Lives and everything that you guys do to do everything for Everything you guys are such a great, amazing organization, um, and I'm so proud to to partner with you on so many things, and and be there and support you, but also for the support that you give us and that you are constantly giving back to the community. So that is, you guys are just so phenomenal. I'm so proud of everything you've accomplished. I'm so proud of you as a person, and I'm I really am so thankful that you can sit and share these very, very hard things and very hard experiences um, with us.
1: Yes. Thank you. Thank you very much. So,
0: okay. And Tina, um, just tell everybody where they can find Punk Rock Saves Lives online so that they have that resource as well.
1: Awesome. Of course, um, you can find Punk Rock Saves Lives on our website, which is just as simple as www.punkrocksaveslives.org. If you're interested in those four sessions of Help, please email it is a long email, I'm sorry, but it's either info at punkboxsaveslives.org, or you can do me directly, which is Tina at, fill in the rest of the name there. Yep. Um, and we're also on uh, Facebook and Instagram.
0: Yes, and have multiple different groups on Facebook and Instagram, all of which I believe are linked through your main Facebook page, yes.
1: correct? Yeah, you can find us directly, um, any of our groups, our mental health, our volunteers. Uh, we have a bunch of different, uh, we have a sober group. Um we have a bunch of different things that you can find on our main page on Facebook.
0: Perfect. Tina, thank you so much again. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Someplace for Everybody. If you love this episode, would you mind leaving me a review in your favorite podcast app and subscribe to the show? If you're looking for a community to love on you and support you in your self-love journey, come join our all-gender Facebook group, Someplace for Everybody, which can be found in the show notes at someplaceforeverybody.com. Until we meet again, be kind to yourself.